Living Hope is a church striving to become a 21st century apostolic church. We are founded upon the belief that the Bible is the inspired, infallible Word of God. We believe in the Great Commission, and we are endeavoring to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with love, mercy, and truth. Listen in as we share the Word, and that, through Jesus Christ, hope is alive. Back to your seats if you have your Bible. As you turn to 2 Samuel chapter 6. Chapter 6, I'm going to start at verse 3, but as you're turning, I just want to say what an honor and privilege it's here to be here preaching today, and it's an opportunity that I would never, ever take lightly, and I want to thank uh, Pastor Staten for the opportunity and trusting me to speak to you all today, and uh, I love my pastor, I love my pastor's family, we have the greatest pastor and pastor's family in all the Pentecost and all of the world, I'm truly thankful for them. I'm going to skip around a little bit, so you'll have to try and follow along. 2 Samuel, chapter 6, verse 3. Let me look. I have so many typos, it's embarrassing. I'm going to read it from my Bible. Verse 3. And they set the ark of God upon a new cart and brought it out of the house of Abinadab that was in Gibeah. And Uzzah and Ahio, the sons of Abinadab, Abinadab, drave the new cart. I'm going to go down to verse number 6. And when they came to Nacon's threshing floor, Uzzah put forth his hand to the ark of God and, and took hold of it, for the oxen shook it. Verse 7, and, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah, and God smote him. Uh, smote him there for, for his error. And there he died by the ark of God. And then we're going to go down to verse number 10. So David would not remove the ark of the Lord unto him into the city of David. But David carried it aside into the house of Obed-Adam, the Gittite. And the, uh, and the ark of the Lord continued in the house of of Obedadim, Obedadim, the Gittite, three months, and the Lord blessed Obedadim and all of his household. I'm going to stop there. I'm going to fill in some blanks for you guys as it goes on, but before you're seated, I believe that I have a word from the Lord for this church. And if you would just one more time before you're seated, let's just give God some praise and let's just get this atmosphere ready for what the Lord is going to do. In the name of Jesus, in the great name of God, Lord, that you are the great I am. God, that you are the great God, that you anoint me, Lord, anoint my mouth, anoint me as a vessel for your spirit to move. In the name of Jesus, in the great name, in the name of Jesus, amen. You may be seated. Now, I realize that reading this passage of Scripture may be, uh, an, uh, in the way that I did, may be unorthodox considering what overall would be happening in this chapter. See, David is bringing the Ark of the Covenant back to the city of David, which is a huge deal. 
See, before David was made king, the last king, King Saul went almost 40 years and almost the entirety of his reign with the ark of the Lord in enemy hands or outside the city of Jerusalem. And Saul went years without building an altar. But now that David is king, one of his first objectives as king is to bring the ark of the Lord back into the city. See, the ark represents, uh, the ark of God represented the immediate presence and the glory of God. If we were to go through, and there's, there's character studies, there's books written uh, on the differences and on the relationship between uh, the, uh, King Saul and David, but the list of, the, and the list of differences are vast, but the, the fact that Saul was content living his entire uh, reign, his life without the presence of God, is the biggest difference between the two. See, Scripture tells us that David was, in fact, a man after God's own heart and that David desired to be in the presence of the Lord. Does anybody desire to be in the presence of the Lord? Amen. Amen. So if David desired that, what is he to do? What does David do? David, at the, at the beginning of chapter 6, if I was to read it in its entirety, would tell this story. But uh, it says, David then gathered the chosen men of Israel, which the chosen men numbered to be around 30,000 men. So they arrived at Abinadab's, uh, at his house with a fancy new cart, and began the process of putting the ark on the cart. Which, if you know anything... That is not the way that God intended for the ark of, the, uh, of the ark of God to be carried. That there were specific rules that are listed in Numbers that, that only the Levites were the ones. And there were special poles that had to be put through the rings. And it had to be carried on the shoulders. There were so many things that, that David was forgetting in the time and the absence of the presence of, Lord, of the Lord. So they bring this fancy new card in. I don't know if my voice sounds good or bad. Is it more masculine than before? <laughs> I really hope so. It's going to get a lot worse before it gets better, I think. So they arrive at Abinadab's house with a fancy new cart and begin the process of placing it on the cart. So now for the first time in over 20 years, the Ark of the Lord is leaving Abinadab's house. And leading this, this thing is... Uh, uh, were the two sons of Abinadab, Uzziah and Ahio. So it doesn't, it doesn't specify. If I was to speculate, uh, I could assume that, that probably these two men were, were just boys whenever the, uh, the Ark of the Covenant first came into their house. And can you imagine what it would be like having the Ark in your house in the middle of the living room? Maybe some doilies laying on top of it. Can you imagine the rules as a kid? There's definitely in no way a play ball in the house rule. No soccer balls, no basketballs in the house. That's, that's for sure. None, at least not in the living room. Um, but I'm sure at the beginning having the ark was something to, to them in that house as a, as a conversation piece. I'm, piece. I'm sure it brought attention to them. People, people came and wanted to see it. I'm sure at the beginning it was this big thing and uh, uh, there was a lot of buzz that surrounded the Abinadab's house. But as Uzziah uh, grew older, it probably lost some of the amazement. See, I grew up in Elkhart, Indiana, if you didn't know. I'm a, I'm a Midwestern. You can tell by my body shape. 
that I'm a little rounder in the middle, like the Midwest, but where there is very few things that Elkhart, Indiana could be, could be known for, I'll, I'll list them to you. We're known for Sean Kemp, a.k.a. the Rain Man. He went to my high school. I touched backboard on the hoops that he dunked on. Take that. <laughs> RVs is another thing that Elkhart is heavily known for. See, Elkhart is the worldwide production leader for RVs. 51% of the world's RVs are made in my hometown. What now? Blue collar, yeah. And the next thing, the third thing that we are known for is trains. Now, growing up in a town that's known for trains, you don't like trains. I can understand why some people would be fascinated by all the stuff that, that makes a train go, such a heavy force go at such high speeds. I could see the interest, but whenever you're used to sitting and watching three, three trains at once as you're trying to get to school, 7.30 in the morning, man, I'm waiting on trains all day. It's not, it's not that cool. I don't have a love for trains. Well, sometimes I ran into a train in Waldorf, and I almost cried. I was like, this is so different. It's beautiful. <laughs> I was like, you wouldn't believe it. I miss trains. But Elkhart, in fact, has the busiest train tracks in all of America. So every single day, there's more than 100 trains that cross those tracks, less than a mile away from where my parents' house was. So it was not unusual to get stopped by two or three trains at once. And my brothers and I would play the game of count the cars as they pass. It's not a fun game, but we played it. And it would not be unusual to see more than 100 cars on one train as it would pass. And, the, and the, the house being so close, when we first moved into the house, it would feel that every train that passed and then every train that would blow its whistle was in fact coming through the backyard right at our house. In the middle of the night, a train would come through and wake us up from a dead sleep. I remember laying in bed and feeling my bed shake. It's not like we lived in a rickety house either. This is a, it was just the, the power of the train coming through. And it was the, the, the shake that would start to wake you. And then that, that loud blow would just completely mess up that REM. Is it REM or REM sleep? I think REM's a band. I don't know why I said that. You would feel the rumble through the entire house. And, and there's, there's studies that are shown on the psychology that happens, and I can, I can for a fact attest to this, is that, that there's people, whenever they move close to train tracks, it doesn't matter how close they are, when they first move in, they, they, they feel it. And it could, if your house was close enough, the pictures on the wall would begin to shake as a train would come by. And, and it would just come completely mess everything up. There's no pleasant conversation as a, as a whistle blows right through your window. But I cannot tell you when and I cannot tell you where it happened and I don't know exactly, the, 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 I couldn't pinpoint a date, but I could tell you that there was a time where I could no longer hear the trains. I could no longer feel the rumble as they passed. And it's not that the trains quit coming and it's not that the trains quit blowing their horns. It's that the trains, or it's not that the trains ceased or that they changed, but I was so used to the train that I wouldn't even notice when they would pass right in front 
front of me. And I'm sure Uzzah didn't realize or didn't recognize, but at a certain point in those 20 years, at a certain point when that ark sat in his living room, that he forgot what the presence was. He couldn't tell when there was a moving. He couldn't tell when there was a shaking. And I think that I'm speaking to some people right now that are waiting and listening and saying, I can't hear the trains. I'm speaking to Uzzah. I can't hear the trains. I can't hear the trains. I'm speaking to someone right now. I'm speaking to someone right now that, that used to be able to feel the rumble in a church service. I'm speaking to someone right now that used to be able to hear a call of God. I'm speaking to someone that right now is sitting here and can't hear the trains anymore. We cannot allow ourselves to be comfortable with the presence of God. We cannot allow ourselves to be comfortable in the presence of God. Amen, amen. We cannot afford to come into a church service and let the, let the Spirit of God like a train rush right by us and us not get up out of our seats. We can't allow the presence of God when we need a healing to move right past us without us hearing a call. In the name of Jesus, I hear a train whistle right now. I hear a train whistle right now. I heard a train whistle in worship. Can you hear? Can you feel the presence of God in this place? We cannot allow ourselves to come into the presence of God and leave and not be changed. Where we expect miracles, we expect signs, and we expect wonders, and then not receive. We cannot afford to miss the train. Can you hear the trains? Can you hear the trains? Can you feel the Lord moving? It's not that the Lord isn't here right now, because He is. But are you just too comfortable in His presence? Let me tell you, it is absolutely tragic what happened to Uzzah. Uzzah's intentions were pure as he put his hand out to steady that ark. But his actions were wrong. Now, if we go down to where I started with verse 10, Uzzah had just been struck down by the anger of the Lord, and David decided that we are not risking uh, putting, or we're not risking it any further. We're going to put the ark and Obed-Edom's, the Levite's house, until we find out the right way to bring this back. And the scripture says, for three months the ark sat in the house of Obed-Edom. And during that time, the scripture says, that uh, ble the, the, the ark blessed Obed-Adam and his entire household, and God blessed everything that pertaineth to him. Now, if you would, if it, it bounces around a little bit. If we went to uh, uh, First Chronicles chapter 15, we get a more in-depth look at what happened after the ark left Obed-Adam's house. We see that they would travel six paces as they brought the ark back to the city of Jerusalem, and then they would sacrifice an an oxen and a fatling, and David would dance. And then, and with the shouting and with the sound of trumpets, they played as they came back into the city. 
But one thing that stuck out then was that was very interesting to me is that Obed-Adam is mentioned uh, as one that would sing praises. By name, he was mentioned. And by name, Obed-Adam is mentioned as being a doorkeeper for the ark. See, let me tell you something. Once he experienced the presence of God, Once he experienced the presence of God, once he saw how God could bless every single aspect of his life, every single thing in his household, every single thing that pertaineth to him. See, Obed-Adam made a decision that even though you're pulling the ark out of my house, I'm coming with you. See, even though the presence of God dwelled in my house, I'm going to dwell with the presence of God. I'm not content I'm not content with experiencing a one-time presence. I got to follow. I got to follow. I'm going to sing praises as the ark is moved. I'm going to dance like David danced. He wasn't content. Oh, I'll be a doorkeeper. I'll be a doorkeeper. Let me, let me, oh, I'll clean. I'll clean the house of God. I'll do whatever I can to get in the presence of God. See, wherever the Lord is, that is where I am. He fell in love with the presence of God. He wasn't content with just an experience. He had to have more. He hungered for more. He hungered for more moves of God. He hungered for more blessings. He hungered for more. He wasn't content with just an experience. He had to be where the Spirit dwelled. He had to be where the Lord was. Because where the Spirit of the Lord is, the Scripture says, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, things begin to change. And where the presence dwells, blessings are then poured out. Where the presence is, there is then freedom. So don't you let, don't you let the presence of God move past you today. Don't let the presence of the Lord, don't let the presence of the Lord pass you by without getting what you need. I'll show you what I'm going to see. I wish there would be some Obed-Adams in this place. I wish there would be some people that aren't content with just a one-time move of God, that aren't content with just being here. They're not content with just being in the house of God and checking an attendance box. But I pray that there is a spirit, a burden that would arise in us, a burden for the presence of God, a burden for the things of God, that I got to be in his presence. I got to be in his spirit. I got to dwell in the high places. I urge you, I urge you, I urge you right now to dwell in the presence today, to dwell in this place in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. In the, can we just lift our hands right now? In the name of Jesus, I pray right now over this church, over these people, God, that you will begin to change some things in the presence, that you will begin to change some things in the spirit. I pray right now that there would be liberty from things in the spirit, Jesus. So we cannot be content with just an experience. 
And we can never let the trains fall silent. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. I pray, I pray, Lord, that you would be sensitive to your words. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. I hear some train whistles right now. I feel some rumblings right now. In the name of Jesus, I hear some things moving in the spirit. Do not let the things of God pass you by. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Come on, right where you're at. Why don't you lift a hand right now in the name of Jesus? I don't want to take the presence of God for granted. I don't want to take the house of God and the things of God for granted. Lord, in the name of Jesus. Come on, somebody. It's been a long time since you felt that presence of God. It's been a few minutes since that power of God moved. Hallelujah. Right where you're at, you can lift a hand. If you need to come to this altar, you can come to this altar. Whatever it takes, we've got to get back into the presence of God. We've got to get back into that flow of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. I think it's significant that David carried that ark six steps. Those six steps represent our six daily steps of the week, and then there's a seventh day, and David began to sacrifice. Today, right now, is the opportunity. It's not just another church service. It's not just another Sunday, but it's an opportunity to sacrifice. I wish somebody would lift your hands right now and cry out to the Lord. Jesus, you're worthy. Jesus, you're worthy. Come on, child of God. It's been a minute since you've been in the presence of God. It's been been six steps. They've been laborious. There have been six days and a lot's happened in that time. But right now, I'm lifting my hands as we begin to sing this song. Why don't you focus on the presence of God? Oh, God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I don't want to take your presence for granted. I don't want to miss the sound of your voice today.
Jesus, God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for that reminder of your word that we should never treat your presence casually. God, let us hunger and thirst. Let us pursue with passion your presence. In Jesus' name, God, I plead your blood right now over this congregation. I pray over the people of God. I pray right now over this body. I plead the blood of Jesus over every heart and mind that is beginning to focus on other sounds and other voices and other things in our society. And right now, God, I release that fresh voice of God, that fresh, Lord, that fresh word of truth, God, into the hearts and minds of your people. I'm praying for restoration and healing. I'm praying for strength, God, and anointing in Jesus' name. It's a natural process of the flesh to become acclimated to the climate in which we live. If we're not careful, all of this craziness of our world will just become second nature. But more important than that, if you're not careful, that's why people sit in the house of God and one person is weeping while the presence of God moves and another person is wondering what's going on. Why? Because there's a there, there's, there's some callousness come. There's something that's, they've been there so much and done that so much that now it no longer moves them. But David said, hey, we, we, we can't do this. This is, not the, this, is not the, this is not the process. There were those six definite steps, and then they stopped and sacrificed. And, and I, I feel in the Holy Ghost right now that there are people here that the seventh day is just another day to you, but it's not just another day. It has a, there's, there's a reverence for a Sabbath day. It, I, I know our world has changed, and I know all kinds of things go on on Sunday, but I'm telling you right now, the first fruit of that seventh day, that seventh step has to be a place where we desensitize ourselves from the journey, where we desensitize ourselves from the world that we're living in, and we say, you know what, God, this is my opportunity. I've had Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday to do my business, to do what needs to be done. Today is the day that the Lord has made. I'm going to sacrifice. I'm going to tune my spirit in. Come on, whatever happened to Sunday being the day of the Lord? And there's some good people in this place, but you've made it a day of rest. And it is. It's a day of worship and rest, but not a day where you relax. 
so difficult for us as the people of God because everything in this world is pulling us away from the presence of God. And right now, this, this afternoon, the presence of God wants to come into this place and touch us. I wonder if you'd close your eyes. Come on, I know it's difficult just to keep your eyes closed for 30 seconds and lift your hand and say, Lord, help me. I want this to be more than just a church service. I want this to be more than just another day, but I want it to be a place of sacrifice where I'm giving of my spirit and my attitude, God, where I'm surrendering my heart, I'm surrendering my mind. God, help me to get up earlier on, to, on this day, on the seventh day, than any other day. Help me, God, to pursue your presence. Come on, somebody in the Holy Ghost. This is the day that my God has made. I'm rejoicing in this day. Father, help me to seek you, to seek you on the seventh day. Help me to find a place of sacrifice. Don't let it become commonplace to me. In the name of Jesus. Come on, somebody in the Holy Ghost, pursue the presence of God just for a moment. Just for a moment. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. I just feel like God's not through here yet. I just feel like there's some people here that that word spoke specifically to you and you've not responded yet. I know, Brother Roberts, come on, we got things to do, but I'm telling you, maybe it's not you, but there are some people that are in this building right now, and I'm telling you, you you need to respond to that word. I feel it so strongly in the Holy Ghost. God is calling you to a place of sacrifice. God is calling you to a place of surrender. I I don't want to move on. I don't want to close this service out because the Holy Ghost is trying to do something right now. One more time, would you lift a hand and say, God, it's me. It's me, God. Come on, I need some godly people to pursue the Spirit for a moment. I need some Holy Ghost-filled apostolics to pursue the presence of God just for a moment. You'll never hear a more powerful message. You'll never hear a more relevant word than what you heard right now. The presence of God cannot, must not become casual to you. I reverence your word. God, we reverence your presence. Jesus' name, in the name of Jesus. Oh God, oh Lord, let lunch burn, but let us not be sick. Jesus' name, Jesus' name.
God for the presence that you have allowed to enter into this room I pray for us as the people of God that we don't ever take it for granted God but we pursue it that we seek after it that we hunger for it that we thirst for it hallelujah the word of God gives us a promise that if we hunger and thirst we shall be filled our world doesn't need someone with a new idea. Our world doesn't need someone with a new opinion. Our world doesn't need another argument about politics. Our world needs a body who will pursue the presence of Jesus Christ. We want miracles. We want to see the miraculous. We've got to pursue the presence of God. Pastor Staten has declared that our, our midweek service for the entire month of October will be prayer. And I know, I know, I've been there. I know for some of you that's very challenging. You've got families and uh, children, but I'm telling you, your children need to know what the presence of God is all about. They're going to be children, and they're going to do their thing, and it's going to be frustrating. I understand that, but I'm telling you, as a body, we need to come together at 7 o'clock on Wednesday night with a purpose and a passion to pursue the presence of God. Those generations, Brother Josh, passed. Those decades passed, and every day they were there. Every day, yeah, just some more people just came to see the presence of God. Just some more people just showed up, and it just became commonplace. And when, when the ox began to shake the cart, and he just did what was natural because it was normal. The only way we get a, an honest respect and reverence for the things of God is to come into the presence of God. Uzziah, 
that king, when, that, when, when, when the king Uzziah died, Isaiah had a, a renewed reverence and he, he fell down in the presence of God and he began to cry out and he began to see things in the spirit that he'd never seen before. I don't know what God has reserved for us as a church. I don't know what God has reserved for us, but I know that the next month is one of the most important months that our nation will ever face. And we can share our opinions, we can argue about it, or we can come and fall upon our face and seek the presence of God. And We still believe that God's in charge. We still believe that God has a voice even in our nation. And I want to influence, I want my influence, Brother Johnson, to be in the spiritual realm, not in the social realm. One more time. I feel, Brother Johnson, that the Lord's done something significant in some lives here today. I believe that is an extremely relevant word. Thank you. Thank you for allowing God to use you to speak to us as a body. We need, we cannot allow that presence of God to become just everyday commonplace to us. And if we're not careful, it is. And so we need to come and pray and we need to teach our children some reverence for the house of God. We need to let them hear some moms and dads cry out. We need to let them hear. We need to let them see you on your knees and pacing and walking and seeking the face of God. They need to see that, not just from Pastor Staten or Brother Roberts or some leader. They need to see it from moms and dads. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for speaking to this congregation. Thank you, Lord, for giving us divine direction. Thank you for renewing some commitments and some hearts in this house today. Thank you, Lord, for moving in this place today. We thank you, Lord, for your presence, God. Sometimes it is easy to start on your destination without really knowing the exact path it takes to get there. To get to our destination, we need to follow the one who knows our predestined path. So be sure to subscribe and watch us on Facebook Live every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. And also visit us at www.livinghopemd.com. I'm gonna wait on you, Jesus. I'm gonna wait on you.